show, we're going to start with an acknowledgement of country. So we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are meeting on, the Ngunnawal people and the Nambri people. We pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. And we also acknowledge that the name Wurundi was taken from the people of the Wadi Wadi Nation without permission and we are striving to do better for future reconciliation. Alrighty, so welcome to week five and welcome to the new show this week. Today we're joined by Jasper and Joey, if you'd like to say hi. Uh, hello everybody. Classic. <laughs> classic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely giving exam season on campus, I think, at least for me. Um, an interesting return to in-person exams, which Rooney will be covering um, in the next week or so. But today we're going to be talking about two articles we released this week. One written by Joey and one written by Jasper and myself. Um... So Joey's going to talk a bit about legal reporting and how we report on legal cases, which is something that he's brought to the team. And Jasper and I will be talking a bit about the ANU and their email signatures, which happened to be quite a popular <laughs> one, actually. Um, but let's start with Joey's article. So I think the first question I have is, what gave you the idea to report on this case in particular? Well, I'm a bit of a nut for the cherry trees. Um, I was born here in the ACT. Um, it's a territory rights is an issue that is very close to and dear to me. And for months, you know, I had been observing this case because it could have quite, it, it had it ruled a different way, it could have had quite disastrous implications for a lot of uh, trials in the ACT. And I was nervously awaiting the result. Um, so that's what got me interested in it. Um, and then I got the position here at Wurundi and um, I received the email and the second I got the email with the judgment in it, I started writing. Yeah, so I guess something that I would like to ask you about is like for those, for the legally uninitiate, <laughs> uninitiated like myself, how um, do high court cases, I guess, differ from other cases in terms of importance, like the idea of territory rights? So... Um, the High Court is very important to territory rights because the Constitution itself doesn't elaborate much at all on the issue. Um, it, for example, leaves representation of the territories in Parliament to um, the Parliament itself. Like if a bunch of Queenslanders decided tomorrow that we shouldn't have MPs, they, they could. Um, but um, because, specifically for territory rights, because it's the highest court in the land and it's not set out in much detail in the constitution it's you know extremely important as it is for you know every other aspect of the constitution really because everything the high court says is the law of australia um and particularly so in the territories where a lot of it is left to judicial opinion yeah i think um the other question i had about this article and about kind of complex legal cases in general is like how do you try and report them in a way that people just reading more any casual readers of our, us as a news outlet can understand? Like, I guess, how do you make those judgments a bit more accessible? Because I think this article does a really good job of doing that. It's really hard to describe in, like, words without, like, condescending in the typical, like, sniveling law student way. But um, I guess if you're... Like if you're writing about the law, you do sort of have to dumb it down, so to speak, for people who probably aren't aware of, for example, what a territory is, constitutionally speaking. Um, you just sort of have to think about, you know, if I was entirely unacquainted with 
complexities of the Australian Constitution. How would I understand this? What words might I use here? So I could talk about, for example, um, the nature of the separation of powers in the territories according to the High Court's jurisprudence. But that would be a very long and very um, unintelligible discussion to most people who probably don't care about most of those things and just want to know what is or is not legal. Yeah, and I think that leads to an interesting thing that I guess we consider in our coverage, which is like, how do we pick things that matter to students? So picking a case that has implications for territory rights and also how do we like portray it in a way that keeps people engaged and like gives them the information they need to know without that information overload of like the more legalese terms. Um, alrighty, I think my final question for you is how did you feel writing your first article for Roni? Was it fun? Was it exciting? Nerve wracking actually. <laughs> 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 what are these, what is this new team of people I haven't met going to think of my... <laughs> often quite verbose way of writing. Like I did have to cull out a lot there to get it into a newsworthy, accessible form. Um, yeah, it was quite nerve wracking when you said delivered your first edits. I'm like, oh, what is she, <laughs> what is she criticised here? <laughs> but it, I think it went smoothly if, you know, a bit new. Yeah, and I would like to say that you did definitely uh, – um magnificent job so thanks to joey go read the article it's a great one very fascinating um all righty on to email signatures and the anu our mm. favorite topic of conversation apparently <laughs> um so i would like to say as a news editor and as someone who's been in the news team for going on a year and a half now i can never tell which articles will be popular on facebook like i honestly i feel like it's a um magic eight ball kind of situation but this one happened to do particularly well on Facebook. I really couldn't tell you why. The photo was not very engaging. But I think what is engaging to students is the ANU's preoccupation with their own branding and kind of the institutional reputation at the university is what I'd say it comes down to. Yeah, um, pretty much. I mean, you can't overstate the fact that the ANU is wanting to like project itself worldwide in mm. terms of trying to attack and trying to attract both staff and students. And so these all these very tiny little subtle things about who gets appointed where in these senior positions, how do they word themselves, how do they try and project their image. And so when there is a dramatic change, especially when it comes after a fall in the so, so, so precious QS World University yeah. rankings, th there's cause for comedy there. Yeah. So I guess the first thing to note is that, yes, the ANU is no longer the top university in Australia in the QS rankings, there is more than one set of rankings. There's also the Times Higher Education ones. I believe we typically do worse there than we do at QS, so it's <laughs> not looking good. Um, but yeah, we're now, I believe, fourth in the in the country we are, um, and 34th in the world. And that's a bit rough. I don't know, top 50 on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it, like, it pertains to the idea that ANU really... I guess markets themselves as like the number one university in Australia. And that is a way that they get a lot of international students to come um, study here. It's the way they get a lot of people to move across the country to study here. Um, and I think it's interesting that nowadays they're actually not the number one <laughs> university in Australia by any measure, right? It's really ironic because the whole thing is, is because it's really funny because we've fallen behind two universities in Sydney, um, UNSW and UCID, and we're fallen behind the University of Melbourne. And so the whole idea that if you wanted 
sort of theoretically the best ranked education in the country, you would come to Canberra to do so. That has now been sort of shattered slightly. Mm. But then again, the fall in the rankings is in very specific areas, which we will get to. But with everything else that's happening with the cost of living here in Canberra, living on campus, if you are from Sydney or Melbourne, which a vast majority of the student body is, why come all the way out here? Yeah, because it's important to note that the other, so the universities that beat us in the rankings are all from Victoria or New South Wales. They're UMel, UNSW and the University of Sydney. UNSW and UCID drew, which I thought was quite interesting. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, because UCID, um, I don't want to use the word wankerish, but they're a bit like similar to ANU, very proud of their reputation. Um, And it's interesting that they're drawing with another university, which is obviously very high quality, but a bit less like image obsessed, I would say. Of Um, course. And then Melbourne is kind of, it's not, it is image obsessed, Mm. but I feel like it's more, if you, Monash and Latrobe are both still fantastic. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's, it's sort of like the one with the nicer buildings that's closer (laughs) to the city. But if you want a really good quality education outside of like humanities law, you're, you're really good at those other places. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think they're called like sandstone universities, but yeah, the ones that literally look... They try um, to look like Cambridge and Oxford, old yeah. buildings, big halls, big tradition, outfits, hats. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about with this article, before we get to the um, email signatures, which is quite funny, is why the ANU dropped in the QS rankings. And I think it came down to two things that you pointed out in the article, Jasper, which were... Uh, yeah, so the QS... Uh, they rejiggered the way they did the rankings. And what Mm. they did was, is they gave greater weighting to sustainability and employer reputation, which the ANU did considerably worse at relative to the Australian peers aforementioned. They are sort of between 10 and 20 points behind in some regards. Um, So, yeah, so to put it, uh, so, so for sustainability, the ANU achieved an 87.4 out of 100, whereas UNSW got a 99 and the University of Melbourne got a 90. Mm. And employer reputation, something which is definitely pretty important, uh, was weighted higher at 15%, which I think was up from 10 in the QS rankings. Yeah. ANU got a 70.2, Uni Melbourne 92.3, and UNSW an 88.1. So we're talking like a 20-point margin. Which, I mean, what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? But if this is QS talking to very prestigious Australian employers yeah. in the private and public sector, that's a hell of a hit, especially for ANU. Yeah, um, and I think it's interesting that, like, the more holistic these rankings tend to get, um, the worse ANU seems to do. Um and yeah, I think we talked about it further down in the article, but on the sustainability scores in particular, the ANU kind of has this one pilot program, which is below zero, right? Mm. Um, and the latest progress report is not giving below zero a cheerful outlook to the future, <laughs> is a way of saying it. Um, so the quote from the report is, the ANU financial position continues to prove difficult with operational losses expected to continue to 2026. In this context, ANU is at an inflection point in terms of its commitment and ability to achieve Below zero. So it seems that the ANU is kind of in this like crossroads where they have to choose whether or not to invest a substantial amount of money in sustainability, right? But it is evident that like when we're comparing our university to others in the sector, that that's something that both students care about, but also like employers and broader society care about as well, right? So like... Yeah, the QS people made a point. They do have an article explaining on how they sort of reweighted their rankings. 
And they did that based on surveys of students and that yeah. included Aussie students. Apparently. Yeah, and I think it's like people do want to go to a university that's like maybe not killing the planet or contributing to killing the planet. And it's the idea of like um, corporate longevity as well, right? Like people want to go to a university that seem to be seems to be adapting to the circumstances which is moving towards this below zero campus and this idea of like responsible investing is something that comes up a lot in the ANU context. Like ANU continues to invest in companies that some would consider to be non-environmentally friendly um and i think it kind of builds a profile of a university that getting to the email signature part of the story is more concerned with how they appear than the actual investment and the policies behind um i guess their profile to students right so given below zero um the a new media by the way told us that um university is committed to below zero and it forms a key part of our environmental management program 2022 to 2025 and that the team has been recently expanded. Um, that's not saying anything about 2026 and beyond, which is what we put to them, but that's fine. Yeah, um, it also doesn't say about what exactly they're going to do in the future. I mean, is it yeah. as simple as bolting a few extra solar panels on a library or two, or is it more deeper into That is, I think, the real question. But on the um, public-facing PR side, so let's forget the substantial policies behind um, sustainability and employee reputation the ANU did have to change their email signature as a result of this because they could no longer claim they were the number one university in Australia um the previous email signature claimed that and cited the QS world university rankings from last year they also claimed the ANU was one of the world's greatest universities which I think is a subjective claim they could have kept in like there's no way they're actually like having yeah, they, to substantiate they that. could have just put that in quotation marks like even if it was from an like an article from like five <laughs> years ago they could yeah. still put that there that's still yeah so trademark. i don't know why they got rid of that one just like the trademark symbol there. right like, <laughs> i'm trying to help any media here like if you want <laughs> I, don't no, I go to here too <laughs> i want my degree to have the status to get me employed anyway one you know, of the world's me, yeah you know um put that in the transcript please not number one in the show though we can't say that anymore so what did they change it to they changed it to australia's leading university and then they said more subjects in the world top 20 than any other australian institution they also then cited the qs world university rankings from last year i think they mean from this year i'm not sure it's confusing because qs um refers to one year ahead so this year's ones are 2024 um i guess because it covers into next year but yeah, this actually, I think, is what most people found funny. We got a lot of laugh reacts on Facebook, so I'm assuming this is the article people read. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't have kept one of the world's great universities, because now we're Australia's leading university, which is another subjective claim that you could claim, no matter what your ranking system was. Um, but it is worth pointing out that like the QS rankings, um, they're like a, an aggregate measure, right? So we did talk about the fact that... Um, ANU actually scored well in student, satisfa- student satisfaction. They were ninth in the country in the first in the group of eight universities. Um, and attributes like that can be lost in a consolidated score. They also do quite well in individual subjects. I know when I came here, I checked the ranking for humanities specifically because that's what I wanted to study. Mm. Um, I also do happen to study science, though the rankings there are not as great. Um, so I think it's like important to take it with a grain of salt. I think the point of this article was not that the ANU is like suddenly a lot worse off. They're obviously missing some substantial action in areas that students are beginning to care about, like sustainability and like being able to get a job, especially given the um, kind of economic situation at the moment and the fact that unemployment is going to continue to rise. Um, 
it's quite funny if you look at the trend where so I believe there was an infographic which went back to 2014 mm. and we're pretty much at that sort of same level where we're sort of top 30 and then yeah. through the 2010s we got into the top 20 and then we cracked 19 I think was our highest mm-hmm. in the world and then we've now plateaued back so I feel like if you really want to look at it pessimistically, that's also around the time that sort of Cambry was built. Yeah. Um, not to be mean, but that's also when Wright and Bruce were built. <laughs> I don't know. Big question about the sort of crowds, those it's kind of walls attract. <laughs> yeah. I, so the ultimate, and then obviously Yuckenbrook Village has also come up in that sort of time. So I think the ultimate question is, is I think it also goes back to that previous point, is that they've got all of these subjects. Yeah. Is perhaps the question of long-term sustainability is going to perhaps double down on certain areas where there's mm-hmm. sort of, there is growth opportunities how do they get more in touch with employers to get us more employability i don't know yeah and i guess like it is important to note that a couple years ago is when the job ready graduates package came in and that changed the incentive for not significantly because it's been proven not to be very effective but it did change the incentive for some people to study certain subjects so maybe less people are coming to the anu because less people are studying humanities which is sometimes what we're renowned for especially in canberra so close to politics <laughs> coming here to do political science and international relations yeah but it also like it's important to know that the ANU has cut like humanities courses in last year and yeah that, that's true that history is gone ancients is gone yeah a surprising factor that would like influence a decision like this um but yeah interesting one and interesting to reflect on like what attracts people on Facebook, you know? And I think the ultimate question is, it's going to be funny to see early next year, the new first years, mm. and how many of these people looked at QS rankings, how much does this all really matter? What is this now post-COVID generation of, you know, you know new university students? What do they want for the future? You know, that's big yeah. questions. Yeah. Alrighty, so... Things we're going to talk about in the last 10 minutes. I think it's interesting to reflect on a new soft launching season. Guys, we have to come around to it. Um, I've been very transparent that this is not my favourite topic. <laughs> you don't love student politics? Yeah, no, you're going to catch me at SRC tonight. Anyone who's going to be at SRC, I will be bringing a cheese board to get me through that. <laughs> um, but we will be live tweeting. So catch us on X, Twitter, I don't know, one of the two. Um but yeah, I wanted to talk about like what the Stupol landscape looks like this year. Very early stages, but like I know as someone who was previously thankfully uninitiated with student politics, it can be confusing when people are talking about soft launching and there's suddenly like really colorful photos of people in a forest. I'm talking about the Green Independent ticket. I like that they have consistent branding. Like at least they're drawing you in. Um, I think independents are also interesting for people to know about. So yeah, I'm going to start with like what are our thoughts on a soft launch? What is a soft launch? How would you describe a soft launch to the to the average ANU student? I'm opening the floor. <laughs> I, I love how Jasper's like pointing at me. Like, <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts. Like, what do you think a soft launch is, and what what does it mean to you? Because I think that the definition is actually kind of contested. I, I think I think it's people deciding that they're going to run, but they haven't sorted out the branding or much of anything really mm. uh, but also um these days anusa now has like that form that people can fill out to show ticket, interest yeah ticket conveners and faction hacks who's interested <laughs> in running and people can tap each other on the shoulder so i think that's a logical conclusion of that sort of recent process because mm. years ago people didn't soft launch they just said hi i'm running yeah yeah and I think it is. It also does kind of like reinforce the um, 
the idea of like tickets and how much power and influence they have over an election, right? So when people are already like historically so unengaged with the news elections, <laughs> um, people, yeah, like tickets, like uh, fees, unnamed ticket will go out of their way, or even Sarah running as an independent looking for people to run with her, like will go out of their way to find people to bring into the collective to kind of build a ticket, to build yep. a profile because that seems to work well, right? Um, but yeah, I think it can be confusing because people will be like, well, I only wrote an article about fees unnamed ticket. And then likely when they announce full, like full suite of candidates, we will write another article. Yeah. Um, and it does become like, it kind of prolongs the, the period through which students have to be engaged in the election, which I think is an interesting concept. It's really funny to think about a soft launch is the way I sort of thought about it was I related it back to like the classic like American politics. Yeah. So you have the soft launch. So you have now you've announced you are going to run for president. You have gone to your home state in front of a home crowd of people that <laughs> who, like you who, who and will donate Twitter? to you. That was Ron DeSantis <laughs> with crashed. Elon Musk and it crashed on live stream. So, and then after that, so the soft launch is you then go to like the Iowa State Fair. So the equivalent of that is you're standing <laughs> in the middle of Cambry and you're saying, hello, I'm so-and-so, I'm running on this ticket, here's yeah. what this ticket means, or I'm running as an independent. And then the sort of the hard launch would be, you know, this is like, um, you know, post like Super Tuesday, you know, when the field really narrows to like one or two primary candidates mm. to try and get the nomination for their party. And that's when it really starts to heat up. And this is where people are saying, you know, this is our ticket. This is what we stand for. Here are all of the people we have running for these portfolios. Mm -hmm. All the people who had no momentum, who couldn't inspire anyone to either get on their ticket or get with their vision, have dropped out of the race yeah. and they've consolidated. And yeah. then they sort of then go into that student. I election. think that's actually a really good way of looking at it. And I have not thought about it that way before. But I think that is, we're heading to the elections in week eight. Um... We're going to have a debate in week seven, hopefully. Shout out to us and Observer for running that. Yep. Um, always very important. Always very important. Hopefully in an earlier time slot this year, so it's not going as late into the night as it did last year. Um, we also will check with Probity this time that it <laughs> it's all kosher. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, because like it means that because of the timing of the election, like the bulk of hard launches are leading up to next week or the mid-sem, right? Yeah. Um, and how do you keep people engaged in stream politics over the midst? <laughs> um, it's a difficult time. It is a difficult time. I mean, ultimately, they're going to be trying to like get people like us to give yeah. them attention mm -hmm. and you know do these big announcements. And so we'll sort of... But uh, I, I mean, I already i am going to make the criticism. It's just kind of like which sort of left-wing activist is going to run this time on some <laughs> platform. That's fair. <laughs> I, I just, what's really different about all this? I think the ultimate thing is going to be going into the debates is how they really differentiate themselves. Yeah. And with what we've brought up in the QS rankings, how they feel about what's, you know, how are they going to use their position and how are they going to rally students to sort of influence the future of the AMU? Yeah. Big questions. Yeah. And I think like really interesting to compare it to kind of the stuff going on in federal politics, like housing, like the universities accord. Definitely affordability um, is going to come up. Residents. Definitely the changes about SRs next year yeah, is probably going to come up. Yeah, definitely. Last year, there was a big talk about occupancy agreements. Um, because Lockout fees. Lockout <laughs> fees. Yeah, so I think that it will be quite an interesting, hopefully like quite a detailed policy clash, maybe debate, discussion. Hopefully. Maybe not a clash. They're all kind of on the same side, let's be real. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if anyone runs on having a designated smoking area again. That was quite a fun policy last I think year. the big differentiator between them all yeah. is how committed they are to Anusa being a sort of service provider versus, versus Anusa activist. being a sort of hat fest. 
Um, That's fair. I think it's um, the BKSS is also an interesting thing that comes up every year. Um, maybe we'll see stuff about SRC tonight. I don't know. I haven't read the agenda, guys. It's, <laughs> it's like 40 pages long. I, I hope you're prepared. The agenda. It's not even finished. <laughs> guys, I checked it like a day ago. And, okay, that was a lie. I'm actually a bit of a nerd. I did check it when it was posted and it was like three, o- three motions. So maybe I'm actually in for more than I think I am. Um, anyway, so that concludes our chat about what a soft launch is. Um, shout out to the team for not, anyway, um, for not getting sick of stupid season yet. We're now into weekly announcements on campus. The first one I have is that our TV news team are doing Vox Pops, which is where we ask you your opinions as ANU students um, about working on campus this week it's going to be friday somewhere in cambry around midday we are not sol a lot of people think we are sol and don't want to approach us that's not my opinion that's just their opinion um and what we've noticed but i think if you're interested in having um your face on Warney tv or giving your thoughts about being a worker on campus or a student worker in general please go seek them out it's quite a fun experience they're all really friendly um and fun way to like you know, we're only here for students to interact with, and that's a fun way to interact with us on your way to class. Um, I'll throw to the floor. Any student announcements? Anything interesting work happening on campus? SRC tonight? I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it's relatively quiet. It probably doesn't help that I'm not going to be around on campus very long. But I think the big thing is, is there's still a number of events going on with the Indigenous Department. I yeah. know they're going to be in Kinloch tonight, so I think they're making their way around Lodge. Again, bringing back to the big issue of The Voice, um, mm-hmm. obviously coming up, which the referendum date will be coming out next Wednesday. So look for our reporting on that That's and reporting true. in the mainstream press. Yep. And then aside from that, you know, we're heading towards the mid-SEM break. And, you know, I think I've talked to a lot of people about how they've gone in SEM 2. Mm. And there's been a lot of stress anxious unease so you know i suppose from all of us here you know i hope it's a decent break and we're going to be working on something very special going into the second half of semester with stupol and other really fun things yeah i think that's a good point and i think like take a break next week is an exam week there's gonna be exams in person that's a bit stressful for everyone involved i would say assignments people have assignments they have essays i don't know Shout out to taking a break. We will not be broadcasting during the midterm break because I think we should all take a break as well. Um, but we'll be back in week. We'll be here next week, and we'll be back in week seven. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a good good plug for the Indigenous Department as well. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. Um, obviously, Warani that's where we all are yeah. news commentary yeah well guys actually i do have a new plug we have a new website and it means that everyone gets to be on the front page now so a bit of content bit of news bit of art bit of tv it has like a mag stand so you can go see like the electronic versions of our mags if you can't get one on campus um we've also expanded where we're leaving the mags on campus so like i don't know check out some buildings other than the Waroni office and Mary Ray, we're, we're slowly like venturing out to the RSSS and to STEM buildings. Um, it's very progressive and brave of us to, yep, very <laughs> to be expanding our audience. But yeah, we really want a lot of engagement. Also, if you have any news tips at any time, you can DM me on Facebook. My name is Rosie Welsh. You can also email Waroni News Editor at gmail.com. Um, you know, a lot of what we do is built on news tips and we've gotten some really helpful information from people in the last couple of weeks i know we posted about um 
lecture content that seems to be recycled from previous years or relies a lot on different universities. I think that's an interesting topic that we're going to be looking at. Um, so that post is in Schmidt Posting. If you have any info, feel free to contact me through either of those means. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for this week. Any f- concluding thoughts? Everyone just excited for Midsummer. <laughs> yep. Looking forward to the break. <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Well, thanks for <laughs> listening to Worony News. We'll see you next week. <laughs>